welcome. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Pastor Steve of Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois is about to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine destiny perfectly orchestrated for those who are willing to be adventurous enough to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you will allow the presence of the comforting Holy Spirit of God to radically display the Father's love for you. You are a part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to Pastor Steve. All right, I pray that I do a, uh, that I honor the Lord in what I'm going to minister today. I have been, I've been thinking about meditating on this for quite some time, and I really honestly pray that not only what I minister, um, but the revelation, the way the Holy Spirit seats it into your heart, and the way that the illustrations come into your life, are going to hopefully create a radical opportunity for transformation in each and every one. Before I get going good, let me say this. The Lord did not encourage me to minister this to people who aren't here. I, I've been going to church since I was... Since I was. Literally since I was. I was born in a church, I think. (laughs) My mom's not here, but she can concur. Probably before I turned a week old, I was in a church somewhere. So I have been probably in a church every week of my life for, how old am I? 47. 47. So however many weeks that is. I've been in a church probably every one of those weeks. And... I know that thing that people do, which is, oh, that's a great word for this guy. You know, the one sitting next to you, or that one that didn't come that you invited. I invited someone here. They didn't come. They should have been here to get that message. I know, because that's what the Holy Spirit does. He, The Holy Spirit prompted you to be in this room today, and for this to not be for you. Maybe it's just for all those YouTubers. You know how terrible all those people out there in YouTube world are. They need to hear this message. Or there's an opportunity for you to think that maybe Jesus looked down through eons of time. Who knew everything and everyone. And he said, today, these folks, these truths. It's up to you. You can, you can duck and dodge. You can shadow box all you want, or the Lord knew you were going to be here, and these things are for you. Twice this week, I had a a similar situation happen, and I'm going to try to illustrate this, uh, hopefully in a way that you guys can... Embrace it. Probably Wednesday or Thursday, I came downstairs, whatever time, it was still dark, so dark 30. And I, as I was coming down the stairs, I heard whack. Clack, 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 clack,
and I'm like, And I'd go into the kitchen where all the clack, 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 clack. And I'd see it, the mouse, in the trap, dragging the trap around the kitchen floor because he just got whacked and it didn't whack him enough to whack him. So I thought about... Then my next thought was, I want to stay married for the rest of my earthly life. So I didn't. And uh, I took the eventual carcass and disposed of it. That happened twice this week. And we didn't know... There's any, it's just one of those things you do. You just keep a mousetrap in your house somewhere. If you live northwestern Illinois, it's just a thing. You keep a mousetrap loaded because you just never know. And it happened twice this week, and we have, Kay and I have no, I mean, we have a clean house. We, you know, don't leave garbage all over the place or anything like that, so I have no idea. I just know it's cold outside, and so they know it's cold outside, and they know it's warm on the inside, so uh, they find a way where there is no way. Twice this week. One time I came down, Kay beat me downstairs and she was making coffee or whatever and she said, there's a present for you and I look over and there's a little, there's a little bloody pile of, of the carcass and the little, the little droplets of his excitement for being caught in the trap that were all, all around him. That's always fun. So I get to clean up the blood and the droplets and take care of the carcass. And it reminded me of, of one of the most um, important truths that I got that are in congruence with what I was just encouraging you from Proverbs 13.10, that only by pride comes contention. Folks probably don't realize this, but the enemy basically has one plan, one purpose in all of our lives. It's universal. It's generic. And that is to do whatever he can to keep the word of God from being fruitful in our hearts. If he can keep you barren and sterile, he's happy. You know, really, honestly, I, 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 I know some of you are going to super struggle with this. And we can argue, you can argue with me, I'm not going to argue with you. But I honestly believe that the, that the enemy doesn't care if you get born again or not. Obviously, he'll try to help make sure that that doesn't happen. But just like Satan is not really that concerned about everything that happens to you after you die, neither is God really that concerned about what happens to you after you die. Now, most humans think that Christianity or salvation or whatever is all post-last breath. That you have been lied to. You've been deceived. You've been manipulated by religion. Religion is a bondage that few people ever shake their entire life. 
The Lord is not that concerned about your eternity. This is where the Lord lives with you, is today. That's why Jesus taught us to pray that the Lord's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Is because he doesn't want eternal life to be some carrot on a string out in front of you and then you turn into some performance-based Christian religious jerk. Because you know a bunch of them. And they're terrible. He wants you to experience it, ever, life everlasting right here, right now. And it comes through intimacy with the Lord. The enemy knows that too. The enemy uses good Christians... Good little religious Christians all day, every day to cause damage, destruction, and death in other people's lives. And I know you're like, no way, because there's, why would a Christian ever allow that to happen? I know. Why would we? But this is exactly how it started in the garden. Satan came and deceived Eve. And Eve gave to her husband that was with her. Deceived people, deceived people. The enemy wants you to be barren, sterile, and unfruitful. If, if the only thing you go away with today is that, then I believe like I've accomplished part of this, part of the mission. Jesus came in John chapter 15, he says, I want you to be fruitful, and that your fruit remains. Not only fruitful, but fruit that remains, perpetuates. If you start at the beginning, you can find out that this is exactly what the Lord did. The Lord created everything, everything that lives to be fruitful and multiply. That is His creative purpose. His creative purpose in your life is for eternal life to be fruitful and multiply. For joy to be fruitful and multiply. For health to be fruitful and multiply. For prosperity to be fruitful and multiply. Whatever you got, He wants it for you and for you to give away. That's the multiply. The enemy has the exact same purpose in reverse. To do everything he can for your barrenness. For your brokenness, for uh, for your for you to be sterile. This is why uh, you could probably figure out that the jabs are not from heaven because they are sterilizing an entire generation. It's in the spirit. The enemy is working in every possible way that he can to get you sterilized, unfruitful. Or not bearing anything that you can give away. He wants you in a trap. Whack. Clack, 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 clack for the rest of your life. Whether you die or not is irrelevant. I was at Farm and Fleet the other day. By the way, one of my favorite stores on earth. I could get all my clothes there. I could get all my food there. I could get all my... If they would get guns again. And I was standing at the checkout. And they had a... 
they had this little tube or jar or whatever of uh, mouse bait. And it was like, I guess it's like super high potency, high profile, like attract every mouse on the block to the, your trap. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I didn't buy it because I have peanut butter. I would go into a mouse trap for peanut butter. <laughs> if you gave me K, Farm and Fleet, and peanut butter, I'm in heaven. That... I hope that that in in the way that I'm about to unravel some stuff that you'll get this. One of the uh, one of the mouse traps that the enemy sets for us is offense. Offense. Offense is what gets you into unfruitfulness and barrenness. And and stick with me. But I want to take you through a little. A little train. If you're taking notes, write this down. If not, I want you to listen to this because this is really important. This took me decades to get this sorted, so I'm about to give it to you in 13 seconds, but it took me decades to get this right. You've probably heard the term familiarity breeds contempt. It's true. It's really true. I can show you scriptural principles that verify it. I know people that... uh, that become incredibly familiar with me, and so then they devalue me, devalue my voice, devalue my counsel, and they go running helter-skelter into the gates of hell. The whole time while I'm screaming, and they basically just say, shut up, because you're Steve, and I know you, and I don't care. And I get that. I am Steve. But then there's also this time that Steve is so yielded and submitted to God that it's actually not my words, it's his. And I understand that First Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11 tell me that I should speak with the oracles of God. Those of you that know me very intimately, I tend to be kind of quiet. I guard my words, especially in very important times, because I want to make sure that every word carries with it the exact same power and authority that my Savior and my Father would want it to carry. And there's times I, I jest, there's times that I jest and I joke. I, I like to have a good time as much as anybody. But then there's also times that I'm very, very purposeful about making sure that I know and the person that's with me knows that I'm being very, very cautious with every word. And the people that are in my life that um, that really honestly have have grown and developed and some of them at exponential rates are the people that have been able to figure out that balance, that when Steve's cutting up and goofing off, they cut up and goof off with me. But they also have this deep, deep, deep reverence that when those few times that the Holy Spirit is coming through and it just looks like my face, they recognize that. The people that I have seen come through the building... Five, six, seven hundred, I don't know, what do you think, Rye? Six, seven, eight hundred people since we're, we're almost ten years old. We're a couple of weeks away from being ten years old. And we've seen six, seven, eight hundred people come through this church. And people that have been around for any length of time and were connected and then left and left wrong. Man, I hope this, please hear me. 
the people that came, that connected, that knew that God had brought them here, that connected, that were purposeful about being here, and at one point had honored me, the church, and then got offended, got into contempt, and left. Those people that I know, not one single one of those people's lives is good right now. Not one. Hundreds. I say this with, in, with incredible gravity. I am not in any way bragging. I'm not happy about this. In fact, it, it, when I think about these things, it takes me to tears. I have to on purpose not think about it. Because I adore these people. This is the enemy. This is how subtle he is. There are people right now in this room that your lives are better than they ever possibly could have been. And getting better. And then there are people that have sat in the exact same chairs, heard the exact same things. And I could give you example after example of some of these people that are the most broken, torn up people on the planet. And they live within five minutes of here, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. What's the difference? What's the difference between people sitting in this room that are growing exponentially, experiencing incredible stuff? There are people in this room that have had their, their finances tripled since they've been around here. Their marriages just incredibly rescued and they're in incredible places. People that they barely, we can barely be around each other for any length of time before someone doesn't get teary-eyed just because of how much adoration and love and, and honor and value that we have for each other. And then there's people that are right now sitting somewhere probably thinking, I hate Pastor Steve so much I wish he would die. Same exact environment, same exact words, same person. I don't trade people to be with this person and, and then be this kind of person with this person. I don't, I'm, I am very, I'm very generic. So what's the difference? Familiarity breeds contempt. The people that are in here, that their lives are going supernatural, have resisted the temptation for contempt. Familiarity breeds contempt. If you allow contempt to be bred, the enemy wants you to be fruitful for his stuff. You allow contempt to be bred. The next thing, contempt will breed offense. Now, one of those people that I'm telling you that have quit this church, don't believe they have a reason. Not one. Every single one of them has justified why they no longer need to be here and some of them have justified why they no longer need to even be a part of God. Because you know what that Christian did to me? You know what that church did to me? I have yet, in my life, I've, I've, I've ran across tens of thousands of church-offended people and I have yet to ask one of them, uh, or have one of them give me the answer say, well, what offended you about the church? Well, it was that person that was in there. So that person that was in that church did the thing. Yep. And so the church offended you. Yep. 
That exact same person can go get a bad experience at a restaurant and still go to restaurants. They get a bad experience at Walmart, still go to Walmart. They get a bad experience in America, paying taxes. They still stay here. It just tells you the commitment that people have to the church. It is easy for us to abuse and misuse the bride. You can walk up to Jesus' bride, which is the church, and punch her straight in the face. But when you find out that Nike is uh, encouraging human trafficking and child sex trafficking, well, well, I mean, they're my favorite shoes. Punch Jesus' bride in the face. Give $100 for a pair of shoes so you can encourage Satan. you, You realize it's actually demonic. Nobody would do that in a rational way. All the people that are offended at the church, a people that are offended at Christians, a people that are offended at me, the pastor, or a pastor, that is on purpose satanic. Because the Lord knows the environment that is going to create fruitfulness in your life. Familiarity breeds contempt. Contempt breeds offense. Offense, if undealt with, will breed unforgiveness. When you get into unforgiveness, the slope into the gates of hell is slippery and wide open. No speed bumps, no guardrails. If unforgiveness is not dealt with, Unforgiveness will breed a root of bitterness. Once a root of bitterness takes hold, to rescue that person is miraculous. Everybody sitting in this room, you know a bitter person. Not a person that has some bitterness, but a bitter person. I can name them. They've sat in these chairs. A bitter person person and the thing is some of those those folks that I'm talking about you could walk up to them you could hug them you could love them you could give them birthday presents and Christmas presents you could you could give them prophetic words you could and, and you know for five ten minutes or an hour or a day or a week or a month or something they'll be okay but then because they are a bitter person they will eventually be bitter I'm going to hopefully give you all of the assets that you need today to sever all of that breeding that the enemy wants to breed in your life and give you an opportunity to be fruitful in the things of God. Familiarity breeds contempt. Contempt will breed offense. Offense breeds unforgiveness. And unforgiveness, if not dealt with, will eventually breed bitterness. Bitterness, according to Hebrews 12.15, will make you defiled. In Hebrews 12.15 it says, Look diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Just that part of that verse, hopefully should shake you. Wait, wait, wait. Are you saying that I can fail of the grace of God? Nope. I'm not saying it. God's saying it. The author of grace, the giver of grace, is saying you can fail His grace. (laughs) 
For those of you that are unaware, grace is the divine empowerment of God. Your life without grace, you might as well just go ahead and move to hell. If you do not have the grace of God, you've got nothing. And how many people are failing the grace of God? It's not that grace isn't coming towards you. It's not that God's grace is broken. It's that we are failing to allow the grace of God to do in our lives what God sent it to do. This, this should be very gripping for everybody in this room. It is to me. When I read these things, I'm like, man, whatever this is that makes the grace of God fail in my life, I'm going to stay so far away from that that there's no way I could even trip and fall and get into it. So it says, looking diligently, not accidentally, (laughs) man, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. Springing up, and thereby many be defiled. Now, springing up is just when it pops through the dirt. Any of you that are familiar with agriculture... When the, when the plant pops through the dirt is not when it got planted. That's just when you realized it was planted. I'm hopefully going to do something in you that gets it before there's a springing up of anything in this. And look at this, this last part. And thereby many. You know what many means in the Greek? Many. And I, I know that we've got a great church. We do. We have some of the greatest people. I, if I wasn't the pastor here, I would be here every day. Because these are some of the most amazing people I've ever met in my life. And even though we have a great church, I know that this is true. Many. Now here's what's interesting. This word defiled was only used five times in all of the New Testament. It's a very radical word. Let me give you the definition real quick. To properly, to stain or paint with a dye. Figuratively, to stain the soul. Like when sin taints by its polluting effects. The root means tainted at the source. Shows everything passing through it also becomes stained. Polluted. You know, I can take the most healthy Amazing thing I learned from uh, Larry not that long ago that a that a bag of seed corn that he's got a plant in his uh, in his cornfield is a hundred and what is it three hundred dollars for a bag of seed corn. For those of you that have eaten sweet corn, you know you get a you get a dozen for <laughs> for five dollars two dollars on a. So this seed corn is like so super. Uh, Modified, and, and I know that the point is, is that it's literally created to be as perfect as possible to bring forth what was supposed to do. That's why they can charge 300 bucks for a bag. You can take the most perfect, uh, divinely, organically modified seed, like the Word of God. And if you put it in polluted ground. Nothing. 
The same seeds that I'm spreading right now on some of your hearts are going to bring forth 30, 60, and 100 fold. And the exact same seeds from my exact same mouth in the exact same room are going to fall on hearts that have been polluted by bitterness. And they will bring forth nothing. And that's not God's idea. Which means there's only one other person left that it's his idea. This polluted ground thing, most people just don't understand that this can be possible because we, we generally have this idea, this opinion, you know, if I could just fix a few things, I can self-help my, back, my way back into a place where I'm going to be fruitful and, and accomplish some stuff. I'll just change this little bit of behavior over here. You know, I'll cuss less, probably smoke a little less, drink a little less, watch a little less stupid stuff. You know, then, then I'll be okay. I'll, I'll have less pollutant in my dirt. You know, if I put a little pollutant in the dirt, or if the entire dirt is pollutant, it's the same thing. It will not allow the seed to produce. That's why Jesus said there was four kinds of grounds. Mark chapter 4, he, the Lord said that this is the most important parable that anybody ever could get. The most important parable, this should wake us all up, the most important parable ever, Mark chapter 4, Matthew 13, Luke 8, the sower sows the word. The sower, me, and or Jesus, and or the Holy Spirit, however you want to do it, we sow the Word of God. The difference in how it affects people's lives are not based upon the seed. It's based upon the dirt. If the dirt is hard-packed, then the seed can't go, and the birds come down to devour the seed. If there's rocks in the dirt, then the seed can't get good roots. And so it won't bring forth. If there's weeds in the dirt, then the weeds will choke the healthy seed so that the healthy seed can't bring forth. So the only seed, the only ground that can bring forth from the exact same seed that every other ground got was the ground without defilement. So your job isn't to make your, make your ground better, to... Put miracle grow on your ground to uh, to hire professionals to come and and sample your dirt to see your your goal is to get anything out of your ground that doesn't belong in your ground. Offense is one of those things that drops a seed into your dirt that eventually will spring up a root of bitterness. Psalm one hundred and nineteen one sixty five. Psalm 119, 165 says that they that love the law of God will make it so that they are unoffendable. And I know I'm paraphrasing. You can actually have the, uh, such a love for the, for the word of God, the law of God, that it... Peace, 
peaceifies your life. And I know I'm making up words. But when your life is at peace, that is like your ground is ready to receive. That is, man, I'm going to... There's so many examples of this, but i got to keep this PG. The womb of your ground opens wide up in peace. God created for the intimate experience between a husband and a wife that brings forth fruit, for that to be in this peaceful place. When that gal, when her soul is at rest and her soul can believe in and trust her husband, and when that husband knows that he can, his heart does safely trust in his bride, as it says in Proverbs 31, when those two come together in that peaceful, restful place of trust and authenticity, the seed of the man gets to the ground of the womb and they bring forth fruit. Great peace have they which love the law. And nothing shall by any means offend them. Which means I can come and try to offend that person. You guys have all heard me say this. I guard the peace of God in my life and my heart militantly. Militantly. I will not allow the world, circumstances, other people's opinions... Facebook put me in jail again. None of this stuff. I think I'm in jail right now. None, None of these things will get into my heart and allow offense because I know offense will trap me. I am going to live my life unoffendable. I am going to do everything I can to keep my dirt undefiled so that everything that the Lord plants in my life brings forth at a minimum 30-fold. When I'm really, when I got the cruise control on real good and we're chucking it down the highway, then 60 fold. And every once in a while when Kay ain't looking and there's no cops, it's 100 fold. <laughs> and the Lord wants you to be that fruitful. He's desiring 100. He's okay with 60. He loves you for 30. And uh, let me give you a real quick example of how this offense, how, how deep and defiling offense can be. In 1 Samuel chapter 18, this is verses 6 through 10, and I'm going to do this in the ESV to save you all the King Jamesy. Um, this, is, uh, this is about David and Saul. And, and let me say this before I get into this story. I could, I could use a hundred... I had to like, I had to go through. I'm like, okay, so I can't minister eight hours today. Well, at once. Uh, So I need like one quick, like really good Bible example. But let me tell you this. I could use a hundred. Because this is over and over and over and over. This is one of the oldest and most useful tactics of the enemy. He has been doing this to people over and over and over and over. Those of you that know your Old Testament, you know the story of David and Saul. Saul was the first king that God ordained. And God told Saul, your family, your, your people, your, uh, your offspring will rule forever. 
You will be my kingdom uh, people. And then he wasn't. God ordained, God handpicked Saul. Had all of the, the entire nation, like it was a unanimous vote. They didn't, they didn't cheat the vote like, I don't know, some other election. It was, it was unanimous. He was picked by God and by man. Had all the physical things that you would want from your king. You know, he was, he was head and shoulders taller than everybody else, probably really stately, probably had a booming voice. And God said, your, your generation is going to, uh, your offspring is going to be the generation of kings. And then they weren't. Saul started to get into uh, stupid crap, and I can I can tell you this: if you go look at the story, you're going to see a ton of self-centeredness, arrogancy, and pride that eventually led to these things. So, if you remember the story of Goliath, David, kind of a nobody shepherd dude, very humble before God, very submitted to the things of God, just shows up and watches the army quake in front of this giant. I'm not going to go in there. We know David slays Goliath, and instantaneously he's thrust into the cool kids club. And so David, filled with the Spirit of God, filled with the courage of God, chases after the Philistine army. All of the Israelites join him. They're like, yeah, we got the giant down. Let's go get him. David ends up creating a bunch of heroes that... Go out and, and change the world. So he's coming back from, uh, from living his life for Saul at this time, doing whatever he's told to do. Saul promotes him to a general, puts him in charge of the army. Obviously, he's really good at it. And so David's out there kicking Philistine butt, taking back all the land that belongs to Israel. So he comes back after one of these uh, one of these incredible adventures out there kicking Philistine butt. And that's where this story is. Which is David coming back from doing what Saul told him to do, accomplishing what Saul asked him to accomplish, and doing it under the, the anointing and the grace of God. And he comes back, and it says, as they were coming home, David returned from striking down the Philistines. The women came out. It's always women. <laughs> there would be no offense on the planet if there were never mind if I was a gal and this was a room full of gals I could say the same thing about guys so whatever just, just pack it away if you just got offended right there we know who's prideful the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul. One day, I'm going I'm to come out from kicking devil tail and all the gals will be like, Yay, Steve! He... Never mind. Kay does it for me all the time, right, baby? And come home and she's like, Yeah, Steve's... You see how good my imagination works? And all the women came out singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines and with songs of joy and with musical instruments. And as they were, uh, 
Next verse. There you go. <laughs> we'll go together. Verse 7. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated. Check this out. Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. And it's true. It's true. They weren't singing like, oh, David, he's our man. If he can't do it, no one can. (laughs) This was true. Saul, when Saul was the general of the Israeli army, they won some skirmishes here and there, and they probably killed in the thousands. But David, when he was the general, when he was doing what he was called to do, when he was submitted to God, when the grace of God was flowing through David, when all of the right people were in all of the right places, the fruitfulness increased by tenfold. Now here, check this out. Saul got mad that his general was winning. Man, I, oh boy. I could, I could unplug right here, go down a rabbit trail and never come up for air. How many people get mad because somebody else is being successful? Even if that success that somebody else is experiencing will eventually lead to some benefit in your life. And I have seen this over and over and over where people get mad. You know, you should, you know how fruitful, how much you should desire that beloved church is literally the best at every single thing that beloved church sets their hands to. You know how many people that literally come to church here that hope that we're not successful in certain areas? Because they would, they want their thing. It's crazy. I've seen it over and over and over. I'm like, why would you want us to fail there? Well, because I want to be successful in that area. (laughs) It's just about you. It's not about us. It's the Saul. Well, hold on. They're not singing my name about the ten thousands. They're singing David's name about the ten thousands and only me about a thousand. Offense. He got offended because the gals were singing the truth. Amen. And Saul was very angry, and this saying displeased him. Offense, unforgiveness, bitterness. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? You know what that statement was? Imaginary. David never one time laid his hand on Saul. In fact, David got mad at his men for telling him to lay his hands on Saul. David would have served Saul his entire life, humbly and submissively. Saul made it up. You know how many of us get trapped by things that we make up? Oh boy. You know how many people have called me? Well, you said that thing. I wasn't talking to you. Well, you did that thing. I wasn't thinking of you. Well, you preached that thing and you knew. I wasn't thinking about you. You self-centered thing. Like, I'm sitting around all day long thinking about you. I just can't wait till Clark's in the building. I'm going to preach that one message. I can't tell him directly. Let me, let me say this to everybody in the room. If there's something that I think I need to say to you directly, I will. If you let me, now I'll say this, that probably only about 10% of the room will let me say stuff that I need to say. But I'm not going to stand up here and preach this stuff. I don't, I got way better things to do than to build a sermon around you. Amen. 
So if something lands on you while I'm preaching, I ain't the one that flew it in there. You might want to talk to the pilot about what's landing on your airstrip. And Saul eyed David from that day on. The next day, a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul. David opened up his heart through offense, and a demon took advantage of the open door. Rushed in. Man, that language should grip you too. Rushed in. Because the enemy don't play, you know, like, hey, hi, I'm saying, can I, can I come in and what's in the fridge? Can I just, can I just take, my feet are hurting real bad, can I come in and sit down for a little while? Yeah, come on in, I guess. No, don't do nothing mean. Okay, I promise. Oh boy. No, he rushes in. Is that a crack? Go! He don't play fair. You think he cares that you're hurting? You think he cares that something bad happened to you and, and he should give you a little time to, to rest and recuperate and kind of get, you gotta work your way through it so you're not, no! Oh, oh, that's right. So Steve said that thing to you. Now you're mad. Okay, well, guess what else? Let me send 14 other people that tell you what Steve said to them. Oh, so you're right. Steve is a jerk. (laughs) The next day. Let me fast forward you through the story. Saul, handpicked by God, head and shoulders above the rest. God said that you're... Your lineage would rule forever. This changed his heart. It eventually changed his spirit. This demon came on Saul nearly every day. He had to get it relieved by David playing the harp and the timbrel. He never did get it fully dealt with. He never pulled out the root of offense and bitterness in his life. It eventually changed his countenance. It eventually cost him the kingdom cost him his family's lineage, cost him the death of his children, and then eventually he committed suicide. All of that because a little offense snuck in through the door, came rushing in, planted a root of bitterness, and it literally demolished Saul's existence. A little bit of offense just snuck in. Did all that. In Mark chapter 4, I'm only going to read two verses in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Verses 16 and 17. This is Jesus talking about the greatest parable about the sower that sows the word. And it says, And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word immediately receive it with gladness. Do you know how many people have come up to me and said, Pastor, that is the greatest message I've ever heard. I'm not even being funny. That's the greatest message I've ever heard. In fact, there was a time that uh, one time a gal came up literally in tears and said, that's the greatest thing I've ever heard anybody preach ever. Four days later, I got a card in the mail from her thanking me for our church, and for the message. This person was a part of our church for years. Three days later, she quit the church and joined one of the churches that split from us. 
because the people that started that church said, Pastor Steve's a jerk and he's mean and he's ugly. In tears at the pulpit about the message that I preached. A thank you card in the mail. And three days later in another church. Immediately receive it with gladness. That's a great word. That's awesome. That's going to change my life. That's really great. Squirrel. Immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves. You know when the Word of God drops into your heart, you actually have to, on purpose, give it the opportunity to take root. You are not going to hear something in this room today. And in 37 seconds, walk out the door and bear an entire tree worth of fruit. God just actually made these things to work the way God made them to work. If you want an apple tree, then you take an apple and you put it in the ground. And five years later, you got a sapling. And maybe another five years, I don't know, I'm not apple tree smart. But maybe another five years, you actually get an apple tree with apples. And you know what the average American Christian says? I ain't waiting no ten years getting no apple. I'm going to Walmart. For real. You know how many people I've said, hey, you need to do this and you need to kind of let this work out in your heart. You need to remove this and add this. And, you know, after a year or two or three, you know, these things will start working. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you say a year or two or three? I ain't got all that time. What else do you got to do? Well, I'll just divorce her and move on. Go get me another one. Because you think that'll fix it? But this is the way that we live in our world. If something's wrong, it's got to be somebody else. I'll just sever it. Get me something else. If the Slurpee cup is empty, I'll go buy me another one. Throw it away. Microwave, fast food, next day air, Amazon Prime. If we can't, if it ain't going to happen real fast, there ain't no way I'm investing. I'm not investing 10 years in Beloved Dirt. 10 years? You know what I can do in 10 years? Yeah, I do. You can spin circles. It's called a hamster wheel, and I've watched lots of folks run on it. Ten years. I know people. I went to Bible college with people who aren't even serving God. Bible college. Hamster wheel, hamster wheel, hamster wheel, hamster wheel. Wash, rinse, repeat. Monday morning, wake up, clock in, do the thing. Ten years, twenty years, thirty years. And they wonder, where did the time go? Gee, I don't know. I have no idea. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and so endure, uh, at least it says in the King James, and have no rudeness of and so endure, but for a time afterward, when affliction or persecution arises, for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. You know what's really interesting about this? When affliction or persecution arises, Why? For the word's sake. You know, this is the only thing about you that scares the devil. The word of God in your heart and in your mouth. That is the word of faith with which we preach. That's the only thing that's... You think you having big biceps scares the devil. What did he do to Samson? Cut his hair, put him in prison. You think your your eloquency? You think your college degree scares Satan? 
Your money, your government connections. I got friends in low places. You think there's anything about you in the natural that makes the devil say, man, I've met my match, this guy. The only thing, the only thing about you that the devil has any concerns whatsoever is the Word of God in your heart and in your mouth destroying His kingdom, the double-edged sword that comes out of the Lord's mouth at the day of Armageddon when He cuts His enemies to the ground. This is why many of you don't read the Bible. It's not because you're really not interested in the Bible. It's because the devil tells you not to be interested in the Bible and you listen. This is why some of you, when you read the Bible, you fall asleep. You, you can be wide awake, drinking coffee, on a treadmill, read the Bible, and fall on the floor. <laughs> All the people laughing have experienced this. It's demonic. It's literally demonic. You can be wide awake, start reading the Bible five minutes later, like, what happened? I ate turkey. <laughs> this is why even in church, some of you, you struggle. As a, because the Word of God is being sown in this place. And the devil's like, you're quiet, you're, it's quiet, you're at rest. Uh, just, oh, look at all the pixie dust. Yay. Oh. Uh, Think about, as soon as this guy shuts up, think about what you could do later. Oh, this will be wonderful. You know, you should probably, aren't your eyes getting really heavy? You think that's God doing that? (laughs) That is because the enemy does not want the Word of God to get into your heart. You're getting very, very sleepy. You're a sinner. You're a failure. You should go to sleep. That is demonic. And it's on purpose. It's not accidental. The only thing that the enemy is scared about in you is the Word of God. Whatever he's got to do to get there, whether that's throwing rocks in your dirt, whether that's coming by and hard packing your dirt, whether that's coming by and sowing seeds into your dirt, it doesn't matter. Whatever he's got to do to keep the Word of God from getting into your life and changing your life and making you fruitful, whatever he's got to do, he'll kill people around you. If that will stop the Word of God from getting in your life and your heart, He'll kill people. And it works. How many people know people that have died? Well, I don't know why God took my baby. God didn't take your baby. God's not a baby killer. God's not a baby taker. God doesn't kill people. It's not who He is. He's not the killer. He's the one that gives life. But if he can get you mad at God for something that happened in your life, I don't know why God doesn't answer my prayers. Why doesn't God do the great stuff for me? God, I'm done. I'm not going to that church no more because that church talks about healing. I ain't never been healed. I'm not going to that church no more. That church talks about prosperity. Prosperity. We're supposed to be poor, I think. Right? I can't believe they preached that stuff. I, yeah, I prayed for that stuff. You know, I believed God for four days for that thing to happen. It never happened. Oh, well, God bless you with your four days of really grinding in there, didn't you? David waiting 13 years. Moses, 40 years. Paul, 13 years. And you just, you just went in there for four days and gave it all you got. I'll try that out, Pastor. Okay, you just try it and see how that works. 
Satan wants the Word of God out of your life, out of your heart. This is why you don't want to go to church. This is why you don't want to sit down at the end of the night. I just, I don't want to do it. I just want to sit down and vegetate. Let me just watch the TV. Yeah, so the enemy can sow his words into your life and your heart. Because that's his words. On that glowing idiot box, that's his words. He's sowing into you sex, drugs, and rock and roll. He's sowing into you foolishness. He's sowing into you COVID. He's sowing into you sickness and death. He's sowing into your ground all these things, and these weeds will get in there, and then Pastor Steve will stand up on Sunday for an hour and say, you should have divine health. You should be healed. No, 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 no. I just listened to 42 hours of commercials about COVID. You got 42 weeds of COVID and I plant one seed of divine health. And then people are going to say, well, if it'd work. If that divine health stuff would work, I'd see it. Yeah, because you're so diligent about that seed getting into your life and your heart, not allowing anything else to get in there. Amen. Thank you, Bob. Luke chapter 17, verse 1 and 2. Then said he to his disciples, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. (laughs) Does anybody know who can define impossible? If God says something's impossible, you get this, right? Like if Steve says, oh, that's impossible. Nobody could do that. (laughs) And then somebody does it, you're like, oh, well, way to go. You know, if God says something's impossible... God says it's impossible while you live on this earth that offenses will come. It's impossible. But that offenses will come. I will guarantee, I can make this promise even more than you're going to pay taxes. Here's the promise. You will be offended today. Or you'll be, let me say this, that's wrong. You will be tempted to be offended today. If you're not being tempted by me right now, because that's about half of y'all, if that ain't doing it, just wait. Somebody will come along, Ryan with his stupid worship song singing the same line twice. I mean, how dare it? I mean, how many times can you sing about the faithfulness of God? Shut up already. Right? Potlucks. What kind of rednecks have potlucks after church? Did you see the weather? You realize, I mean, the things that people can get offended at. It's impossible, but that offenses will come. But whoa. Whoa, through whom? Notice this, this is so important. Kid, go ahead. Whoa, through whom the offenses come? I, I wish I had hours and hours and hours and hours. I could get into this. So many different ways, so many different... There, let me say it this way. There are thousands of things that I will not say today. I, okay, you guys. I know, somebody moving. But just pretend like I'm actually ministering the Word of God. He's just doing what he's told to do. There, there are so many... Um, there are so many tools that the enemy wants to use in our lives to bring the purpose that he has, which is you being unfruitful. One of the main tools is this offense. 
Offense is going to come through something. Some of you don't give financially because you don't like me or the church or whatever you think we're going to do stupid stuff with your money. Which means you're not actually giving to Jesus. If you realize you can't give directly to Jesus. You give to Jesus through someone else or something else. Like beloved church. Satan works the same way. Satan himself can't come and do stuff to you. He works through. This is why people that... Okay, the number one... All the married people, the number one person that offense will come through is your spouse. There I said it. If you didn't, if you didn't know that, that's the number one. Why? Because you're with them the most. You're the most familiar, and so if he's going to breed contempt through familiarity, who's he going to use? <laughs> the most familiar people. And there's three different kinds of offenses, and I can't get into some of this stuff, and I can't get into unforgiveness, and I can't get into forgiveness and the process of all that kind of stuff. But I do need you to understand that offense comes through people, situations, circumstances, from hell. Sis, will you help me? So I'm, I'm going to try to illustrate this. Uh, some people don't understand that this word offense in the Greek is the word scandalon. The word scandalon in the Greek, so stay right there. The word scandalon in the Greek is, the best way to say it is trapstick. Can you see him? All right. I didn't, I didn't think my props all the way through. I forgot there'd be girls here. This is my daughter's. Thanks, Hannah. This is my daughter's. Uh, what are these things called? Okay, so it's a beanie baby. I didn't even have to look because half of you know. So this is a beanie baby, and he's a lammy or a sheepy, sheepy beanie baby. You know what this represents? Sheep. Do you see how I'm really good at illustrations? We are the sheep of the Lord. And so God wants us sheepies uh, to be fruitful and multiply. I didn't bring another sheep, but I'll let that to your imagination on how that works. He wants us to be fruitful and multiply. It takes unity. God intended for two people to come together in diversity. This is why any other version of sex is, a, is a, a blasphemy against the creation of God. That's why uh, 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 homosexuality, lesbianism, uh, transgenderism, all that kind of stuff, that's why it is um, It's so bad. It's not because God doesn't like people that are weird with sex. It's because it's literally on purpose. It cannot be fruitful. It violates the intended purpose of what God created. When a person says, well, I feel like a boy and God made you a girl, what the real sin there isn't that you're having gender confusion. The real sin is you're telling God he was wrong. He made you wrong. He made a mistake. That's what the real sin is. It's the same thing in any other uh, gender dysphoria relationship. And so this sheep, to be fruitful, needs to meet 
a guy sheep. I guess she's a girl. I'll just call her a girl. She needs to meet a guy sheep, and they need to fall in love and be pure and get married through premarital and a pastor. Right? Amen. It's a good sheep. They're obedient. They don't do it the world's way. They don't shack up and do all the stupid crap and then ask God to bless it. They actually go to God, they find out what's blessed, and then they do that. And then they're a good sheep. And so this sheep is trying to do life. And what will happen is, this sheep's going to be tempted. It's, it's peanut butter. Peanut butter. If there's anything that can tempt you. Like, I'm tempted more with peanut butter than I am another woman. Like, this is, for me, like, this is the real deal. And it works, because I've killed three mice in, like, three weeks. So it must work. So sheep are like mice. (laughs) Didn't think it all the way through. (laughs) So the temptation... (laughs) the The temptation... This is the temptation... Are you following me? So, all the different things in your life that the enemy sends in there to see what works for you, it's just peanut butter. You know, they don't have any power unless you give them to it. It's just peanut butter. It's just some static thing that the enemy sends into your life. But if if he sends it and you're like, Oh, I really love to watch football. I'm going to watch football. And meditate on cheerleaders. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read romance novels. Did I get the girls on that one? Because romance novels aren't wrong. It's about love and romance. And so the, the little sheepy says, Oh, look. I love... Are you guys liking this? I love romance novels. That's a girl sheep. And the enemy has this system that he calls a prison that he likes to create for us. Like a little, I don't know, a trap or something? Gentle. Careful. And so then the enemy says, oh, since you really like romance novels, we'll just move that in there. And the sheep says, well, I really do like romance novels. And it looks really safe under there, like an umbrella. That's where all the safe people are. Yay, I love whatever it is I love. This is, I want you to get this. In, in, in my great illustration, the peanut butter by itself, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, reading is amoral. If you read good stuff, it's great. If you read bad stuff, it's bad. Guns are amoral. Guns have killed zero people, except in the hands of murderers. A gun in the hand of a good police officer saves lives. A gun in the hands of a bad criminal kills people. Most of the things that come into your life are amoral, They're just a temptation for what are you going to do with it. I can treat my wife 
as a princess. And I can value her and I can love her with all my heart. And her and I can have a life together that is inexplicable. Or I could treat her as a prostitute. Because most guys do. And I could force her to do all the things that I want her to do to make me feel better and to make me feel more masculine. And I can abuse her and, and I can say, hey, you know what? I go to work. I provide the money around here, woman. You just suck it up. The exact same blessing from God can now turn into my own destruction and I'll go into, you've seen these guys. They are literally just zombies. They are just doing life. Completely broken people. And they have no clue what they have at the house. No clue. And gals, you know, I'm just picking on the guys because I is one. I could, I could do the gals too. Because gals are the ones that offer it. And if you haven't paid attention to this generation walking around in their yoga pants and these girls that are saying like, hey, look what's for sale. Come get some. And then some guy shows up to buy it. And then they get mad because they don't get treated with value and respect. Really? You're shocked by this. So whatever it is that comes in your life, the peanut butter is just temptation. That's not the bad thing. That's not the sin. That's not the trap. The word offense in the Greek is scandalon. Scandalon. Which sounds familiar to us because we have an English word called scandalous. That comes from that word. <clears throat> the definition of a scandalon in Greek is a trap stick. A trap stick. That would be the part of my little mouse trap that I put the peanut butter on so the mouse can come by and smell peanut butter and he puts his little, his little beak, his little beady beak on that peanut butter and then whack! Unsuspecting mouse in my mouse trap, that guy that set off the trap stick. So, those of you that know Stacy know that she's one of the most amazing, wonderful people on the planet. Amen? She's beautiful inside and out. I'm honored to call her my sister in the Lord, and she's also married to my brother, and so she's like my double sister. So, I get to, I get to experience her on two levels. Amen. She is one of the most amazing, gracious, loving, uh, courteous people that any of you would ever meet. Stacy would probably likely never intend to ever offend anybody. But Stacy sometimes is under the same pressures that all of us are under. And every once in a while, uh, Stacy's going to, I don't know, make a mistake or maybe not do or say something right. Or maybe you just don't receive it right. Stacy, with all of the good intentions, with all of the desire that she has to never hurt another sheep, every once in a while, she does what she's told. Pull it. She's, 
she's such a good Christian. She can't even do the illustration right. I can't do it, Pastor. I can't trap the sheep. Okay. This is the offense. Stacy is whom the offense came through. But the offense came from Satan. I'm the one that told her to pull it. Notice how I played Satan on that one. That's the only time that I'll ever play Satan. But I played Satan and she listened. This is what the enemy is trying to do. To get you here. This is the prison. Now listen, if, if you're not paying attention, uh, Mr. Mrs. Sheep in there is still alive? You know how many Christians this is? Still alive. Eating peanut butter. You know that sheep is like, woo woo. Nobody can take my peanut butter. Just me and my peanut butter. Whoop whoop. But this sheep will never do what it was created to do, which is be fruitful. No matter how many guy sheeps come and say, Hey, you want to come be my friend? The sheep's trapped. And here's the other thing. Eventually the sheep will run out of peanut butter. Then what? The first thing that happens when a sheep gets stuck in here is that they nurse their problem. They nurse, they go to somebody and say, hey, don't you know what happened to me? I was just minding my own business and peanut butter and all that. And then Stacy, that evil, wretched woman, pulled the trap stick, stuck me in here. They nurse it and nurse it and nurse it. And they rehearse it. They play it over their, in, in their head over and over and over. All of you in here, you know what I'm saying. You play that movie that that person did that thing. Over and over and over in your head. Until you're like, man, I can't believe they did that to me. I can't believe Stacy would pull the chair. She's that's not even how she is. She used to love me. She said, take care of things to me all the time. I used to love her the most. No, I don't like her at all. And then eventually what will happen is after they rehearse it long enough, they disperse it. Hey, Hannah, you know about Stacy? You know what she did to me? I was minding my own business with my beanie baby and my peanut butter. I was just doing my stuff and Stacy did that. You know, she wants to do it to you too, Hannah. Don't go near Stacy. Don't go near that church. You know what that church will do to you? You know what that preacher will say to you? Don't you dare go near that. Let me tell you, I'm super healthy. I'm super fruitful. I'll tell you all the things that you need to do. This is the amazing thing to me is how hurt people gravitate to hurt people to try to figure out how to deal with their hurt. That's the, that's the extent of stupidity. The only thing that we can do here is for us to ask the Father to come into our life and reverse this. To set us free from the prison, liberty comes through truth. Liberty comes through truth. The truth is, this only drew me in. This was the trap. She, unbeknownst to her, was used by the enemy The real problem is Satan. 
everything that's caused damage in your life came from him. And if you really knew that, then you would not war any longer against flesh and blood and all these people and the government and the problems in your life. You would actually get angry at the right person, which is Satan, and you would go and destroy his kingdom that is trying to trap other people in his prison. And then you can be fruitful and multiply and make many little beanie babies. Because that's what the Lord wants you to do. Alright. Offense. Not the enemy. Only the temptation. I hope this illustration works for you so that you know. If you can filter through this stuff, now you know. Because you can set yourself free from whatever's entrapped you, whatever's ensnared you by going to the Lord and getting forgiveness for yourself and for whatever's happened to you from other folks. All right, so Stacy and I are going to bless you, so if you'd please rise. Thank you so much for sharing this time with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of His life-changing Word. If you would like to learn more about Steve Castle Ministries and Beloved Church, you can go online to stevecastle.com or belovedchurchillinois.com. You can also contact us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are a part of the Beloved Family of God, and Beloved Church is the place where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart to receive as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. I pray, I declare that above all things that you allow the finished work of the cross to bring prosperity into your finances and also divine health prospering your body and all of these things are going to affect you in a supernatural way as you allow your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions and your personality to be perfected in prosperity that the Father desires for you to have. We love you and we cannot wait to see and be with you again soon. Goodbye, beloved.